So hello and welcome back to the Human Experiences podcast. As always, I'm Evan. And for this episode, uh, I'm going to be joined by sex therapist, Sarah Rosen. Sarah, thank you so much for joining me. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. So I am not familiar with sex therapy at all. Um, honestly, I didn't really know it existed until 2020. Um, got a, really? A of, oh my God. Yeah, just didn't, didn't know it was a thing at all. Um, I think Grey's Anatomy kind of taught me a little bit about it, but Wait, there's wanna, a Grey's Anatomy episode about sex therapy? I've never a seen little that. bit. I think, yeah, there's one where like a sex therapist is in the, in the hospital. Um, and that's kind of where I was like, whoa, this is actually a thing. So I want to hear from huh. you kind of what it's like, what it entails, uh, what's the day-to-day of being a sex therapist. Sure, sure. So actually, it's a great job. I cannot complain. Um, so I will tell you that I got into this when I was 18, I started working at this high-end erotic boutique and I did it, uh, more to be a rebellious teenager than anything else. And I quickly realized that people were coming into a sex store for really, really important reasons. Like women who had been sexually assaulted, who were working on, um, being comfortable with their, their sexualities again, or women who had gone through chemo, who needed different assistive devices. So it just felt like, okay, this is something that is so, so important and needed. And I would have people come in, you know, a woman who had been married for 30 years and said that they never have an orgasm. And I'm like, okay, this this is a problem that people are so uncomfortable talking about their sex lives and their sexuality. It leaves people, so many people in, in the dark and we don't get to explore the depths of our sexualities and pleasure potentials, which is really sad. So that made me realize like, okay, I was meant to be a sex therapist. Like I'm, I'm going to heal the world, uh, make the world a better place in bed. That's what I'm here for. So I went to the university of Delaware and I got my bachelor's in gender and human sexuality. Then I went to Widener university in Pennsylvania, where I got my master's in social work and my master's of education in human sexuality. And now I'm working towards, um, my, uh, sex therapy certification. So right now I work at the Long Island Institute of Sex Therapy, and I specialize in working with people with alternative sexualities and relationship dynamics. So that's um, people that are into different kinks and fetishes. I work with couples who are ha- uh, having trouble communicating about what they both like. And, um, you know, I do a lot of psycho ed on normalizing fetishes, fantasies, kinks. So a lot of what I do is just eliminating shame. And that, that's a great segue right into the first topic that I know you wanted to touch on, which is reducing shame around sexuality. Um, and I'm going to kind of just pass you the ball and let you run with it and jump in with questions that I have. Sure, sure. So, it, you know, it's, it's really interesting. Someone will come into my office with like something pretty normal, like say they, I always bring up foot fetishes, my favorite. So like, say they like feet. Okay. And someone Mm -hmm. will come in with an, in a crisis, like, Oh my God, I'm never going to find someone who is into this. There's something wrong with me. And then for me to come in and be like, actually you're pretty vanilla. If anything, like of all the things in the world that you could like, um, this is like really normal, but because we can't talk about sex, people feel so isolated in their, in their sexualities. So like, you know, we're more open about some of the more interesting stuff that we like, we would find that we're all 
maybe a lot more normal. I, I don't know. It's a weird word, yeah. but whatever that means, a lot more normal than we think. Well, um, so, oh, go ahead. Sorry. Well, I feel like um, at least my, like, you know, people joke about it a lot. Um, and it's a very like taboo, taboo thing that people like make fun of. Whereas like, if someone actually is within the immediate circle that is into that, like they're going to feel very self-conscious about feeling that way. So I think that's like one of the things that should be addressed, but that's also your Abs- expert opinion. <laughs> Yes, yes. And it makes me so sad when I see jokes about fetishes. And I think about for so many people who feel very isolated in their sexualities, like someone makes a joke about something that they like when they're 15. And that will stick with Mm -hmm. someone forever, forever. The, you know, the initial things that we hear about our sexualities, like really uh, make a deep impact on us. Like I'll have clients who, let's say, identify as queer and, you know, maybe they're moms like pointed out in you know when they were seven in this tv show that they were gay characters and that was weird okay that that's enough like you know you could really internalize that and like feel very confused and upset like with your sexuality um so we have to realize that like not everyone is going to understand and the people that are maybe more judgmental about different sexualities are probably not having the best sex it's a good way to put I it. I feel about that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's definitely. I think I don't. I don't know if you would agree with this, but kind of coming up, um, you know, through the the like two thousands and growing up in the two thousands, uh, being a millennial mm-hmm. or Gen Z now, I guess, like it's becoming more and more less taboo. Um, yeah. But I've also like talked to friends from other cultures and other countries where it's like completely normalized. And it's really different to kind of, it's really interesting to see, to see the difference between other countries and how they address it versus like the United States. And then like how other yeah. places in the United States and like alone just in the country, like I grew up in the South, we don't really talk about it. Uh, we're in the South. Virginia, and it originally. Oh, so it's yeah. just like, not really, but like, I mean, in, in school, like you have sex ed, but like you don't have anything more and it's very vanilla and very rudimentary and it's like we don't want to talk about more than what we have to yeah and I always think of that scene from Mean Girls have sex mm-hmm. get pregnant and die like that yeah. that's like it's so funny but it's so sad because that's sex ed um now it's interesting so you said you're from Virginia I so my husband is a veterinarian and he went to vet school at Virginia Tech so okay. I grew up in New York and then I you know, Long Island, we're pretty open-minded, and then I moved to Blacksburg, Virginia, Ooh, yeah. uh, which is like the middle of nowhere, and just a totally different world, and so while my husband was in school, I actually worked at Virginia Tech's counseling center, and I worked with a lot of trans kids, gender non-conforming, and like to, to work in such a conservative area of just the were so isolated there was so much depression among kids who had like more alternative sexualities or identities and it was just such a culture shock for for me as well so so you know you know about the conservativeness of Virginia so wait where where in VA where are you from so I'm from southeastern so like the Hampton Roads area uh, Virginia Beach area um so like it's okay, more it's more area. yeah it's more a more progressive area but you also have like the families that are really conservative and you do see it 
sure. and it's like I mean I had I have a friend from you know like you just kind of talk about it now where it's like oh we're like my friends are a lot more open about it but like in high school it was very like not talking about it mm-hmm. um, yeah boys tend to be more open about talking about sex with their friends and I think about so many guys I asked so during my sessions we do a super comprehensive sexual history assessment and I find out like when was when was the first time you learned about sex when did you start your period like what was it like we we go through everything so I asked people like when did you start talking about sex with your friends when were you introduced to porn because everyone had that at some mm-hmm. point um and for guys it's always very young you know someone found their dad's this or that and they watch it with their friends and it's like not sex ed, it's not accurate, but there's some conversation around sexuality where um, women don't tend to have those experiences as much, at least mm-hmm. in, um, you know, from the women that I've spoke with. Interesting. So I kind of want to jump yeah. on to the um, next topic here, sex and tech. And again, give you, uh, give the ball yes. to you and I want to hear uh, your thoughts on this. I'm not, I don't know much on this subject, so I'm very interested to learn, interested to learn. Okay, so I I am just here to embrace the world, the um, the direction that sexuality is going and tech, and so I am very very interested in VR port, and I do think that we can utilize virtual reality um, with sex therapy. So you have people who have difficulty, um, I don't know, like relating to people of the opposite sex if they're hetero Mm -hmm. and like you have people who have a lot of social anxiety so this can be a step in the right direction of like interacting with someone in an intimate way it could be like a step in the right direction towards doing that in real life um are there some people that are going to fall in love with robots forever sure that's going to happen anyway that's just it, it already is a thing so I do think that, and a lot of people say, but like, we're going to stop talking to each other. We're all going to fall. We're all going to be obsessed with robots, but that, that's going to happen for some people. That's fine. Um, and sex and tech, it's really helpful for people in long distance relationships. Like you can use toys that like interact with each other, like Bluetooth toys. I think about a lot of the cam girls who have, um, who are using Bluetooth toys while they're performing and like people can pay to have um, control of each toy. So it, it's really cool the way that sex and tech has changed the landscape. And I think it's really made sex work a lot safer. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I can definitely see that. And then kind of touching on the VR part, um, you think that would help like eliminate some like sexual frustration in men um, that then might be aggressive towards women in cer- certain social circumstances? Absolutely. So I spoke with um, the porn star Ella Darling, and she's incredible. She was the first person to create VR porn. She was the first person to act in a VR porn. Um, And she was developing this, uh, this interactive product where people could interact with her in an intimate way and with their VR headset. But if they were rude to her, she would not react to them. Hmm. Yeah. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. how cool is that yeah like a good way to set barriers I mean obviously like we don't you know you don't want to make excuses for behavior like that and rude behavior, of course, it, of you know course. you want everyone to be safe yeah so if that's you know for someone who struggles with that that might be a better way for them to learn boundaries than to um 
you know, kind of figure that out with someone and I don't know, have a negative impact on them. Yeah. Um, Cause it's all about eliminating that and, you know, being better. So being a better society moving forward. Um, yeah. But that was really, and, I'm sorry, go ahead. And then there's another company, um, Laura DiCarlo. So she, she makes very, very high-end toys and they utilize robotics. Like they're not just toys. So we're going to this, towards this really, really high tech world when it comes to sexuality. And I think that it's something that we can really embrace. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I again, I haven't looked into this a whole lot, but I mean, it's really interesting to kind of see, um, I mean, virtual reality is definitely a big thing. And I agree that like, it, I think it'd be a good way to kind of help move society no more um i don't really know how i want to say this but like it, it, a way of like teaching consent and you know making yeah. sure that you have that like it's it's a process and it's a learning process because like obviously t- talking about consent isn't doing enough absolutely absolutely and i also think that vr can be really helpful for people with certain fetishes or kinks maybe mm-hmm. ones that would not be realistic to act out in real life um, yeah. so they can have those needs that in a, in a safe way. Yeah. So I know and the third half, oh, sorry, go ahead. I have more to say about oh. sex and tech and, and using toys. So, so let me just say that I, so I have a TikTok and I made this really dumb video about like, um, a partner that says, uh, we're not using toys. I should be enough for you. And then like the second segment is, you know, new partner and look at all these toys I got for us to mm-hmm. try. And it was crazy that it got 1.6 million views on TikTok and hundreds of thousands of comments of people saying how much they related. Like, we really need to add devices in bed. We need to embrace that. And so many women commented about ex-boyfriends who did not let them use toys and how much they struggled and, you know, during sex and didn't enjoy themselves. So I, I really think that we can embrace devices and they will just oh, make sex even better. Why not? Yeah. I mean, I mean, exactly. Like it's a, it's not a one person thing. You got two people or, you know, more involved. Like a, you want to make sure that everyone, at least in my opinion, you want to make sure that everyone is as satisfied and as happy and as comfortable. Absolutely. So uh, I kind of want to jump to the final topic here. Uh, intro to kink. Um, I, the, when you touched on the intro, this is kind of like a right up your alley and what you specialize in. So I kind of want to hear what you have to say about this. Yeah, so kink is one of my favorite things to talk about. And I think about how kink is used to be very pathologized. um, And that's changed through the DSMs. We have a looser definition of like pathologizing sexuality. So people are not as isolated in this anymore because we have more kink communities. There's all these different apps. Field is one of my favorite ones to connect with kinky people. Um, So I have a lot of people that just, they struggle, they feel isolated. They don't know anyone they can talk about this with. And the communities are out there. So like, if you wanna put, wait, can I, how inappropriate can I get with words on this? You're good. You're good. Okay, okay, okay. If you're like, I just want to put my dick in someone's armpit, like you can find someone who who wants your dick in their armpit. Like you can find that and, and live a happy life. 
um, you're like, you're not weird, you're okay. So like I said, in my sessions, we really, really normalize kink. I help couples to communicate with each other what their preferences in bed are. And let's say if one person is like, I really want to be dominated in this way. And their partner says, I'm not into that. Like we can find other ways to have everyone's needs met. And I really encourage partners to be open-minded to their partner's preferences and just recognize talking about what you like in bed, if you feel like you're weird, if you've never brought this up to anyone before, it's really intimidating and really scary. So when a partner has a negative reaction, so maybe you're like putting your dick in my armpit is really weird. Why would you want that? Your partner is going to feel like so alone and resentful and they're not going to stop liking this thing, but they're going to think that they're partner is judging them and it can create a lot of distance between couples I see that all the time I see a lot of kink shaming um, within couples who really love each other so let's say your partner is into something that you don't like and let's say it's some kind of like dominatrix power play um so let's say you don't want to do the act you can incorporate it with dirty talk uh, so just talking about it like oh I match I'm gonna do this this and this to you you don't have to actually do it but that way, like some of that need can be met. Another thing that I think is really fun for people to do is to pick out a dominatrix together. Like you can go with your partner to a dungeon and help them like figure out someone to see and kind of be in the room with them while someone else is doing the physical act. So let's say you're, you know, if you're paying someone to get to, to whip you or whatever, um, there, there's no really romantic involvement here. So it's really safe. It's a transaction. So your partner gets that need met. They feel like their, their partner is um, affirming of their sexuality. So when someone says they like something, the only option, it, it, there, there are so many options of how to make that happen. You can't just say, well, I don't like that. It's not happening. Like, let's brainstorm to get everyone's needs met. Yeah, I mean, I honestly haven't really considered it that way. Um, and it, I mean, it makes sense to, like, obviously you don't want to just dismiss someone's you know, in like what they like and what, you know, makes them feel good. So being able to kind of find a way and find that happy medium is, is only going to help like strengthen relationships. Of course, of course, there's nothing worse than feeling isolated about your sexuality from your partner. Those are people who really dive deep into porn and get more obsessive with that. Um, so when you find someone that is like watching an excessive amount of porn, my first question is, what's going on with you and your partner? Why can't you talk about this with them? Like, how, you know, how can we help you to act some of these things out? Mm -hmm. So uh, this is kind of off the cuff, but um, what like five pieces of advice would you give to anyone out there right now? Like listening, couples, people that are single, um, kind of living their day-to-day -day life. Okay, okay. So one, there is someone out there who likes what you like. Um, two, I encourage you to share your your sexual preferences with your partner. Um, the more that you pull that in and feel like very isolated and weird, the more resentment you're going to build towards your partner. Um, and just this in relationships in general, try to learn something new about your partner every day. Uh, let's see. Try something new in bed, even if you think it's weird. And if something doesn't go well in bed, five, right? It's like, something doesn't go well in bed, that's okay. If you're not good at something the first time, that's fine. No one is good at anything the first time. So like if a scene like totally flops, that's okay. You're doing it right. Yeah, I mean, I imagine trying to ride a bike. Like you're not gonna, 
very rarely do you get up on a bike the first time. Exactly. But we put those expectations on our sexualities. So we yeah. set ourselves up for failure and shame when we do that. So kind of another question I just thought of. Um, sorry, I didn't prep you on this one. But um, that's okay. Toxic masculinity. Uh, in, I know it's gonna it's gonna be a lot. We have like uh, we have like five to ten minutes still. So toxic masculinity in the bedroom. Mm, okay. So that so let's talk about toys because there's really a, a a strong connection here. Um, toxic masculinity says that I should be enough for you and you should get off on penetration alone, which does not work for most vagina owners, right? Only 25% of vagina owners can have like internal G-spot orgasms. Um, but there's this idea that like my penis should be enough for you. And it's just like a, oh, oh. Like there, there's so much you're missing out on when you like put those very narrow-minded expectations on what sex should look like. Um, I mean, you see a lot of jealousy has to do with toxic masculinity. Oh, oh, it's just ruins the party every time. Do you see a lot of that with like um, in your field? Yes, I do. And I see men who feel very attached to like masculine scripts. So you know, men who maybe like more, let's see, uh, feminine dynamics in bed. There's so much shame around that, so much shame. And I think that people really feel, or men really feel like they need to follow these toxic, hyper-masculine social scripts in the bedroom. Um, and it just, it makes sex really boring. Unless like that's a specific part of your power play. Um, but I do see the way that toxic masculinity uh, makes it difficult for men to express their feelings and to be vulnerable with their partners. Vulnerability is seen as weak, but you have to be vulnerable with your partner to grow. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I definitely agree with that. Like, toxic masculinity is definitely one, I, I think, a driving issue, um, at least like, you know, from my perspective, but mm -hmm. uh, it's one that it's it's out there and um, isn't necessarily being addressed enough, but hopefully some of that can be changed. No, it's, it's yeah, yeah. And that's why, like I said, so much of what I do is just reducing shame and helping mm. people see that they do not have to follow these very specific, boring social scripts. Right. Well, Especially um, in bed. Yeah. yeah, oh, like in the bedroom behind closed doors, like, you should like with your partner you should be able to open like openly communicate and have fun like yeah. that's it's your yeah. partner yeah even if that's not in a super masculine way yeah or, uh, yeah. So, yeah um so that is all the time we have for this episode of the human experiences podcast huge shout out to sarah for coming and joining thank you very very much um thank be you sure so to check much her out. for having me be sure to check her out on uh, TikTok, uh, Instagram, other forms of social media. Um, and if you like what you heard, be sure to check us out on Instagram at the Human Experience Podcast. Until next time, live, love, and enjoy. Thank you very much.